So um, we are in week seven of Change Your World in 52 Days. Are you guys digging this series or what? I don't really care. We're continuing it until week eight, all right? So week seven, and I just want to start by asking you a question and kind of give you a little scenario, all right? So let's just say, yes, scenario. So let, let's, let's just say that later on today, you're at the grocery store. Maybe you're going to go to, like, the Jewels or maybe a Mariano's or, you know, Dominic's, right? So you're going to go, and you go there, and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to get some groceries. And as I go, you're going to um, just get what you need. And you notice, anybody a blueberry fan? Blueberries, man. So good. So blueberries typically right now, how much per pound? We'll say about, the, we'll say, we'll say three, $3, right? It's a good deal. And you walk in, and they're on sale today only for $2 off a pound. Right? You didn't go there for, Valerie, you didn't go there for blueberries. But guess what? Valerie's buying blueberries now. If I can get a pound for a dollar, I'm down, Right? How many of you guys are buying blueberries right now? All right. So, big deal. Different scenario. Let's just say this afternoon you go and you're like, man, got to go buy a new car. Things that you love to do. Go to the dealership and negotiate for a new car. And so you're like, all right, I'm, you walk in. First thing you say to the salesman, you're like, hey, I'm here to buy a new car. Really bad move. Really bad move. You always say, I'm just checking out the decorations on your trees. Oh, you sell cars here? I didn't even know. Oh, my gosh. So they, they, they say, oh, you know what? Yeah, we've got cars here. We've, we'd love to, you know, get you into one of these today, you know, all that stuff that they say. And, and you, you, of course, you're like, hey, I'm here to get the absolute best deal that I possibly can. I need the lowest price. I see the sticker price, about $30,000. I need to know what you can do for me. You're putting the pressure on, Jim. You know what I mean? So he goes, and he says, well, you know what I got to do is I got to go talk to a manager, right? So that's what they do. So he goes, sorry if you sell cars in here, love you, but this is what, this is what, I, this is what happens in my brain. So he goes to talk to his manager, and he talks to his manager about how the Bears are going to beat the Packers today, right? And he doesn't talk to, to him about you. He doesn't talk to you to him about your car or what he can do for you. And then after talking to his manager about the Bears beating the Packers, he goes back to you and he says, okay, so I talked to my manager, which is true. And he says, here's what he's already proved for me to do for you. The car is $30,000, but I have been just right now, only for you, I have been approved to give you $2 off that car. I will sell it to you for $29,998. How many of you are buying the car? Literally, you had a like visceral reaction to the $2 off the blueberries. But $2 off a $30,000 car, no one's jumping at that, right? Here's my question. Why? This is not rocket silence. Not silence? Rocket silence. It's been a long weekend. So the reason is why. It's the value, right? You're telling me that you want me to trade $29,998 for that car and you're gonna, because you're going to give me $2 off? No way. 
That's two, it is two pounds of blueberries. But I'm not going to make that trade, right? I'm not going to make that trade. I'm not going to go ahead and do that. And I think what we find today is that Nehemiah gets into a situation where he's, he's challenged to possibly make a trade. And what we find is that he doesn't make it. If there's one thing you remember today, it's this. Don't make the trade. Don't make the trade. Last week, we, uh, we looked at um, chapter 4, and we're going to um, hang out there just for a second because I need to read this to you because it's so crazy what happens. Um, we ended with uh, verse 15 last week. And if you remember, everybody in the room got a card, and on that card was a family and the family was an actual family from chapter 3. And every one of the families in chapter 3 were positioned along the wall and in the gaps to make sure that the enemy that was at the door that was going to come and try to overtake the project, that they knew that we were not going to stand for that. We were, we were going to show unity. We were going to show that we are going to fight for our families. We're going to remember the Lord. We're going to do all of these things. We're not going to be afraid. And we're going to make sure that as they look through the gaps in the wall, they're going to see a, a, a Jim Chai with Barb and Caleb, and they've got swords, and, they've, and Naomi's there, and Miriam's there, and they've got swords and shields and bows and all this stuff, and they're like, you want to come at us, come at us. But you got any hole that you try to break through, there is a, there is a family there. And guess what? Jim Martin's fighting a little harder when Angie's next to him, and Nehemiah knew that. And that's where we kind of ended. Everybody kind of like fronted the enemy and said, bring it. And the enemy backed down. And then it says that they all went back to do their own work, which was a big part of last week, that we're all responsible to do our part in doing our work on ourselves. I'm not going to go help fix somebody over here that's working on this gap over here. I'm going to make sure that I stay where I'm at because if I stay where I'm at, I know that we're protected and that we're going to build the wall together. It is a picture of unity. It is a picture of the members of the body working together, all having a different purpose. It's amazing, right? And so this is where we pick up what happens right after that. Just going to read through starting in verse 16. And before I do, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, you are here right now in spirit of God. You are the one that teaches us. We have literally no idea what we're doing most of the time. And so, Lord, we need you right now to speak to our heart. We had a lot go on this week. Um, and, Lord, it's been tough for some of us. And, Lord, we lay that at your feet because there's not a lot we can do in the next 20 minutes. And so we need you to speak to us. So speak. In Jesus' name. Verse 16 says this. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. So half the guys are working. Half the guys are basically ready for war. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials, check this out, if you work with your hands in construction, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Why is there a man with a trumpet? Well, let's find out. Verse 19. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn 
until the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. And that's the end of chapter 4. So did you get all of that? They fronted the enemy. They went back to their work, but did they feel safe? No. They've got everybody basically has a weapon on them. Even the guys that are working have a weapon on them. There's people that are working and carrying material. They have a sword in one hand, they're carrying material in the other. They're, these people aren't changing their clothes because this is focus. This is, this is protection. This is them saying, man, we are going to protect. We're going to make sure we're ready. They're ready for war while they're trying to build. This is kind of a crazy scenario. Now, we're going to skip chapter 5. Now, and all of you said, why? Right, most of you said, why? Here's the deal. Chapter 5 is great. It talks about a little side story about Nehemiah kind of cleaning up the house a little bit. It's about his core value, which we talked about a few weeks ago. And one of those core values is don't mess with my people. And in this case, his people were messing with his people. Basically, there was like, they were loaning money at interest and they were taking each other's land and like, you know, as payments and stuff. And he was like, hey, you got to stop that. Like, we're on the same team. Let's not do that. So that's what chapter 5 is about. And I want us to stay focused on where the story continues in chapter 6. So st skip over to chapter 6. Definitely read chapter 5. But chapter 6, verse 1 says this. When word came to send Balat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, these are the villains, right? These are the guys that are coming at them. That I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time, I had not set the doors and the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Hey, come let us uh, meet together in one of the villages on the plain of, oh, no. How many of you know you never meet anybody in a town called, oh, no? All right? First tip. All right? Just don't do it. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project. Everyone say great project. And I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. Do you think they're trying to be persistent? Four times. And each time I gave them the same answer. And then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written this. Catch this. This is great. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, it is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are rebuilding the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to be become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. They really want to have a conversation. Oh, no, is about 25 miles from Jerusalem in the middle of a plain. Do you understand what they're trying to do? He said it right after the, the, those four times. They were trying to harm him. Read, they were trying to kill him. And so they were trying to lure him away from his project. And uh, I sent him this reply, verse 8. Nothing like that 
like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. That's in the Bible. I love that. You're literally making that up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. And then he says this, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. For some of you, your blank filler enters. On the back of your news and events, there are some blanks. I am going to give you the answer key now because I want to focus on one of them with the time that we have left today. Number one, you see there, when you're doing your work, don't get distracted. You can write down Nehemiah 6.2 next to that. Because that's what these guys were trying to do. They were trying to distract him. Number two, don't quit. We're going to focus on that one in a minute. That's Nehemiah 6.3. Number three, don't change your tune. You can see that they came to him four times. And every time he said the same thing back to them. I am not going down there. I am doing a great work. Don't distract me. He kept saying that. Don't change your tune. Number four, don't succumb to the pressure. Where did the pressure come from? When they said, oh, guess what? Everyone's saying, you're, you're setting yourself up to be the king. Everyone's saying that you are going to be the man and that you're going to proclaim it with prophets. That's pressure. Don't succumb to the pressure. Number five, don't look to anyone but to God. What did he say at the very end? He said, God, strengthen my hands. In chapter four, what did he say? When you hear the trumpet, everybody come running, and then we're going to fight. He didn't say that. He said, when the trumpet, everybody come running, and guess what? God's going to fight for us. So I, I want you to understand, and for me, that this is, um, this is one of those messages, right, where it's like, and that was fast forward style. Okay, Joe, don't get distracted. I'll try harder on that. Okay, Joe, don't succumb to the pressure. I'll, I'll just, I just won't do it. Okay, don't be afraid. I'll, I'll try all those things. <coughs> and we can, we, can, we can go there, and that's important. But I want you to really focus on that second one. Don't quit. Because if we talk about blueberries and cars, <coughs> what we find is that a car is too valuable to just give up $29,000. we are not going to do that. We're not going to make that trade. We're not, that, that doesn't make any sense for us. And what Nehemiah knew is he knew what God had called him to. He knew what God's purpose for his life was. And he said, I am not, I am doing a great work. I am not coming down off this wall. I am doing a great work, and I am not coming down off this wall. He understood. He had clarity around it. He knew what, and he was not going to. You have a $2 conversation you want to have with me? You can keep it. I'm not going. Because this is too valuable for me to give up. And if you think about it, I probably would have added a few things. And actually, let's just do this right now. I'm going to need some help. Pat, can you help me out again with this? You guys, I'm not walking out of the room like three weeks ago, all right? <clears throat> so you can, you can keep the one you like, all right? I need another person that I trust. Um, come on, Hannah, you can come on up. I know you like being up here. Let's go. So as you guys, these guys get positioned, all right, um, just so we're clear, three weeks ago, you can stand over here. 
three weeks ago, just guard, guard me. All right, so three weeks ago, I, I preached the whole message about quitting, right? Had a whole video. I told you to quit. You got to quit stuff. You got to quit this. You got to quit something in order to start something. You can't start something unless you quit something. And today what I'm telling you is don't quit. Your messaging is a little off, Joe. I get it. But here's the thing. You have do, you've done the work to quit the things that are taking you off of the wall. You're, you're, you've quit the things, the thinking, the words, the, the, the actions, the things that you are, are bringing you away from what your calling is. And now if you're focusing in on it, and if you've been doing the soul workouts on Friday, what we did, and you're caught up, or if you're not there yet, you're going to get there, where you put some words to what God has called you to, where you actually write down in writing, black and white, that says, man, this is, I believe that God has a purpose for my life, and I think it might be this, and you wrote it down, and now you're not three weeks ago when you had to quit a bunch of stuff to start something. You are here right now, and you've got it, and you're saying, you know what? I am not coming off the wall. I am not quitting on what God's called me to, and if I would have been Nehemiah, (laughs) and and these guys would have come up to me, and, and by the way, they send a messenger in, why? Because of these guys. I mean, I'm really going to walk in as the villain, and I'm going to walk into, the, like, the, the walls of Jerusalem where everybody's armed and ready for war and be, like, starting to call out the main guy. I'm not doing that. Kill the messenger. But I would have said something like this. Are you kidding me that you want me to have a conversation with you? 25 miles away by myself? Don't you understand that I've actually positioned people all throughout the whole city, around the wall. We've got guys that are working with swords on their side. I've got guys that are carrying material with a sword in one hand and carrying material in the other. And you're trying to tell me that you want to have a conversation? I'm not going to be distracted. Oh, and guess what? You're saying that the king is going to be threatened, that we're revolting? Can I recall to you that I'm the one that went to the king and I quit my job on him, and then I said, you know what I'm going to do? I want you to pay for my project, and I want you to give me the timber for my house. And guess what he did, Sanballat and Tobiah? He gave it all to me. And guess what? This is a great project that I'm working on, and everything you're making up is in your head. I'm not getting off the wall. I'm working on some great projects. And watch what they can do. They can carry things with a sword in one hand and, and uh, something else the other. So carry the podium over here for me. Show, show them how it really works. So like literally, hey, guys, guess what? We, we can work together. We don't have to worry about it. Look at that. Yeah, give it up for them. They did so good. Thank you for, for bringing it back. Right there is fine. Yes. This is what I probably say. Red shirt, get on the wall. That's what you got to get back on the wall. Get back on the wall, right? So... This is, this is what I've got going on behind me. Why Sanballat? Why Tobiah? Why would, I, why would I ever trade? Can you see how ludicrous it is? You guys can, can, can head out now. Give it up for Pat and Hannah. Make sure, yeah, you can take those. Make sure, though, that they're out of the reach or the eyes of the children. Yeah, that would be great. So here's the thing. We see all of this happening, right? And there was something that Nehemiah had 
and he had it clear in his head that he was on, he was the man for the project, and he was on mission for God. And it wasn't a list of do's and don'ts. It wasn't a list of all of that. There was something that kept him on the wall. And I want you to ask that question because the don'ts are important. But I think that there's at the bottom, there's three things that are going to keep you on the wall. And I'm going to suggest a fourth thing. And that would be really the first thing. In both cases, um, really, that I just mentioned, is that Nehemiah said, God strengthened my hands. And he also said, God will fight for us. Number one thing that's going to keep you on the wall is God. God, having a relationship with him, connecting with him, understanding his call in your life, he is going to, that is going to inspire you to stay on your mission. But as we've been working through this message series, what else is going to keep you on the wall? It's not going to be trying harder. It's not going to be, oh, you know what, you're right, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't be distracted. Oh, my goodness. Here's what it is. Number one, your spiritual gifts. The gifts that God has given you, those things that God has given you that you're talented with, that you're gifted with, those things that you've worked through, you've even maybe taken an assessment in the last few weeks, and you've realized that there is something unique about what God has done in your life and in you that you have a gift. That's going to be, number one, what's going to keep you on the wall. Number two, it's going to be your past experiences. Your past experiences are your past experiences. I have not lived your movie of your life through your eyes. You're the only person that has seen it is you. And you know that what you've been through, that you've been through uniquely. And what you have experienced is going to help you stay on the wall. Third thing, guess what? Your core values. What you stand for and what you will or will not allow is what's going to keep you on the wall. When you say to somebody, somebody says something to you and say, you can say a lot of things around me, but you can't say that. That right there, that value is going to keep you on the wall. You want me to illustrate it through Nehemiah? Here you go. Number one, spiritual gifts. Do you think that this dude was a planner? He had families all throughout the city stationed in every gap. Some of you are at the House of Heroes and some of you are at the Dung Gate. I apologize. But this guy was a planner, man. He was a planner. He was gifted for the task. He had everybody organized. He had guys that were up at night. He had guys that were, he had everybody by family. He had everybody armed. He had all the timber set up. He had all, he had the, he was working the plan. Can you see that this guy was gifted? He was gifted. Number two, his past experiences. Listen, do you understand my story? Do you understand that when I heard that this is what the condition of Jerusalem was, that I cried, that I wept, that I fasted, that I mourned, that I went to the king? Do you understand that I feared for my life? I was greatly afraid, and every time that I heard something about this or I felt like I was going to go before the king, I prayed and God met me? Do you understand what God has done to get me here? And by the way, we've been promised a city that is going to be protected and is going to be filled with his people. Don't tell me to have a conversation and oh no, because that is not what I'm doing. Number three, core values. Do not mess with my people. Do not mess with my people. Do not try to stop me from creating the, the next part of this story for my people. This is my core value and you're stepping on it, man. And that means I'm not getting off the wall to go have a conversation. And don't tell me that the king is worried about me. Because all of these things, my core values, my past experiences, 
and my gifts, they do what? They overlap. And in the center is what God has called you to. If you've been doing the work with the workouts, you guys are there. And some of you have gotten clarity. I had somebody tell me this week, I've never been able to write a mission statement for my life in my entire life until this week. And it's a doozy. It's awesome. And some of you are not there. And that's okay. Because there's grace. And there's time. There's not a, there's not a timer on you. There's time. And what I found is that when we sit with it and we don't run from it, we will sense God's calling on our heart. If we take the time to look at our gifts, to look at our past experiences, and to look at our values. I was talking to Nathan wherever he's at. Yesterday, this is, I'm always using this example. Back from college, first semester, freshman, I said, where you at? He's like, I'm keeping up the workouts. I'm a couple days behind. I'm like, oh, man, wait till you get to a couple days, man. It's going to be, you're going to write it down. You're going to write it down. I said, man, I feel for you, man, because you're young. You haven't lived a lot of life. And it's probably hard, like so many new things, college and people and classes and all that. Like, what is it? And I just said, you know what? Take the pressure off. This isn't, a, that's, this isn't something that's going to be set in stone forever. It's going to be something that maybe this is in this season. This is what God's called me to. And I'll bet you that over time that you'll start to see some commonalities that, that will stick. But it can be an organic process. Is that okay? And I think that there's a lot of us that are in that, in that case. A lot of you are younger. And you, haven't, you don't have 47 years behind you. But then there's also some of us who are older. And I'll tell you that as, as important as it is, for Nathan and those that are younger to write this out, and I'm talking about writing it out, is it's even more important if you're older. Here's why. One of the things that I have the benefit of is being able to hang out with people who are older than me and be able to talk to them. And you know what one of the common things that is stated to me from folks who are older is, is God done with me? Where do I fit in? Do I have anything to offer anymore? And what I'm going to tell you is that if you woke up this morning, God is not done with you yet, all right? And so you have an opportunity now not to say, oh, my goodness, why didn't I have this when I was 20? You know what? Your years haven't been wasted. God wastes nothing. Have you been blessed? Has God been glorified in your life? Have you seen awesome things happen? Yes. All I'm saying right now is, praise God, you have a lens to look through the rest of your life through. And now you can start to see, yes, I have purpose. It doesn't matter how my father-in-law is 80 years old. He has purpose. He's finding that. He's still discovering that. This is an adventure that never ends. This is what's amazing about God is he honors what's been, and he also takes you to the next level wherever you're at. So the band can come up, and hopefully somebody is fired up not to get off the wall. And if you are not clear that you are motivated to say, God, give me a word. 
give me the next step. Give me just some phrase that could be rough, that could be just something I could work off of. Because here's the thing. This is so true of our story as a people of God. Guess who else didn't get off the wall? And here's the Christmas tie-in. God didn't get off the wall. When the baby's in the manger, what does that say? God says, I, for I so love the world that I sent my son. And when he shows up, it's God fighting for you. And what ends up happening is then Jesus grows up and he goes into ministry. And the first thing that happens after he's baptized, what? He's tempted and he's challenged to get off the wall. And Satan says, hey, man, why don't you just take all of what you see, all of the money, all of the power, whatever you want is yours, just worship me. And Jesus says, no. Why? Because he's on mission. He's called. He's on the cross. He's on the cross dying for you. And he's challenged to say, hey, if you're the son of God, why don't you save yourself and get off the cross? And he says, no, he doesn't get off the cross. And he did not die, bleed his blood, and give his life so that you could be confused about your purpose and to wonder what it is. He died so you could get clear about it. The problem is we need to take the time to be with him and to understand what it is about us. It is not, he did not die for you to get a bigger house. He did not die. When you're challenged and you're like, hey, here's a trade. If you just take this job, you'll get more money. Don't take the trade. Hey, if you change your major, then you'll get the job when you graduate. If that's not your calling, don't take the trade. Hey, if you hang out with these people over here, you'll be more popular and you'll be, you'll be able to hang out and have the status you're looking for. If that's not your calling, you do not take the trade. Because over and over and over, we see broken people, besides Jesus, we see broken people who continually say, you know what, if they don't, they didn't figure out the first time. They figured out and they said, you know what, I'm not getting off this wall because I am doing a great work. The problem is, and this is the, then we're going to go to song, is if we haven't taken the time to clarify our calling, our mission, our purpose, even if it's just for this season, what can happen is we can be pulled in every direction because we're not sure if we're in the right gap. We're not sure if we're really working on a great project or not. And so somebody comes and says, you know what, can we have a conversation 25 miles away in a town called, oh, no. You're like, sure. Yeah, I don't, seems like fine. And we, we are pulled in so many directions every single day, distracted, discredited, slandered. And we just need to get clear about what God is saying to us, even if it's just for today or tomorrow, this week, to get clear. And that's my prayer for you, is that you believe and your theology lines up with the fact that God, check the New Testament, he has created good works for you to do. And I believe that we're discovering them. And my prayer is that you would. Why don't we stand? We're gonna sing Silent Night, and then we're going to sing Fix My Eyes and Reckless Love. And these songs give us pictures, right? Especially the last song gives us a picture of what it looks like for God to fight for us. God is going to fight for us. 
And as we sing these songs, my prayer is that that clarity, that next step, that just that little nudge would be there for you. Um, I'll be, and Dave, and myself, and a few others, Sarah will be over here on this side to pray with you. One of the hardest things to do is to say, hey, you know what, I could use a little bit of prayer today. And you know why? It's because we all have this front that we put on. We're not going to show weakness. But you know what? It's not showing weakness when we say, you know what, God strengthened my hands. I need someone to help me pray that prayer. Or God, I need you to fight for me right now. And I need someone to agree with me in that. There's no shame in that. There's no weakness in that. There's strength in that. That's why we're here. And so today, if you just need a, a little extra to say, God, I just I didn't want to pray with someone, we'll be there. And, and then you have a gap up here. You have, we've taken out a row. You might have noticed it. We, we've created more space up here. This gap is this gap is here, man, because maybe you're gonna stand in this gap for somebody that you love that needs God. Someone that some situation. It, does it matter whether you stay there or not? No, but sometimes moving your location actually does something in your spirit. So, Heavenly Father, as we begin a few songs, Lord, may they be more than songs. May we turn them into worship for you. And, Lord, as we sing, whether we, we slip to the side for prayer or not, or whether we have perfect clarity around our purpose for life, which is a crazy big undertaking, Lord, that you would just give us the next step, that you would solidify in our heart that it's possible to know. Lord, that you would bring back to our memories, our past experiences and how they've, they've shaped us. Some of those have been tough, and that's part of the work. Some of those have been awesome, and that's part of the work. Bring back to our memory our, our, our core values and our gifts. Oh, Lord, show us where they overlap so we might be able to find you, be able to articulate the purpose you have for us. Lord, we love you. Hear us as we sing, in Jesus' name. What that song speaks to me every single time is that, man, God wants me. Like, he'll go to know and to get to me and to be with me. And it's just so clear that God wants. He doesn't need us, but he wants us, which is, like, awesome, right? And next week, we'll be find out, man, if you're feeling broken today, you're in good company, man. Because what we haven't talked about is how messed up these people are that are building the wall. Like, they're all broken people. They're all just, like, a mess. And yet God calls them all together through Nehemiah to rebuild the city. And it's so, so cool. And what's amazing is that even in our brokenness, God wants us. He wants to use us. He wants to, to rebuild our lives. He wants to do what Nehemiah did to our hearts. He wants to do that. And I'll tell you, we need you. That's part of the reason why this challenge is so important to me is because we need you on that wall. So we got a little... I got a text during worship, tearjerker number two. So this is Alexis in the hospital today. And so she's watching us worship. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot going on, but what a blessing to be able to be a part of this little girl's life and pray for her. 
and just to be a part of that family. Um, many of you know her, and I know that um, Alexis, if you're still watching, love you, girl. Praying for you. Going to come see you soon. And and I, I just want us to just think about the fact that, man, God wants us all, and we need each other. And so, God, as we go today, Lord, we just thank you, God, that we are we're, we're starting that process of getting clarity maybe in some of us. Some of us are there. Some of us are, are just really needing that half step, Lord God. And I pray right now that you would do that in us. Wherever we're at, whatever we need, Lord, you're fighting for us. When you hear the trumpet, come running. Because our God is going to fight for us. And today we sounded the trumpet. And Lord, your people gathered. And Lord, you are fighting for us. Lord, continue to fight for us this week. For those of us that are discouraged, those of us that have people talking about us behind our back or slandering us, Lord, whatever it might be, Lord, we release that and we say, Lord, do the work. Fight the fight. Keep me on the wall. And I will always, always praise you, Lord God. Thank you, God. We love you. Help us to be light in dark places this week. Help us to be a kind word, even to be someone who would lead someone else to the Lord this week through a prayer. Lord God, we just thank you that you want to use us. So help us, Lord God, to be used this week. Praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, stay as long as you want. We'll be up here still able to pray. Um, but hang out as long as you want. Love you guys. We'll see you very, very soon.